Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 38 of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this intro on Sunday, July 5th, 2015. This past week, I was sitting in my car and I felt moved to just talk through some things that were bugging me. I hadn't recorded an episode in a while, and I didn't want to miss this inspiration, so I pulled out my phone, and I recorded what's going to follow. I cleaned it up the best that I could, but it's still just a dude laying in a car seat, telling his phone how disgusted he was with some things. So, here, without further ado, is my curmudgeonly side. I'm recording this a little differently than I normally do. I'm not sitting at my desk behind my Blue Yeti microphone, recording into Audacity. Instead, I'm sitting here in my car while my daughter attends hitting practice for her softball team. And just talking into my iPhone 6 into voice recorder, just trying to capture some thoughts. I've gotten a little bit out of the habit of making these podcasts, and there are some things on my mind, and I have some free time, so I thought that I'd get them down. I was going to say get them down on paper, but I don't know, get them down in bytes, whatever it is. One of the things I wanted to talk about today was just, I don't even know, I hate developers so much. I go from times when I see how the development community rallies behind people like Eric Meyer when his daughter passed away or or behind another guy when his wife passed away and everyone gives money and support and everyone's nice. But there are other times when we're just being us and developers are worse than any Star Wars versus Star Trek than any Ford versus Chevy or Dale Jr. versus Tony Stewart versus whoever, like any kind of thing. It's even, even I live in the great state of Ohio and we have, you know, Ohio State, Michigan college football rivalry and Ohio State fans are known for being passionate and sometimes less than kind to visiting fans. But even some of that venom, it doesn't match what I see from the way people get treated in the development community and just sickens me. Like I sit there and I, I watch people try to come into the community and I see them try to become developers. We have a need. I've, t- I've spoken about the need before, but we have a need to have new developers. They are a growing profession. And I don't know if developers in general see this as a zero sum game, if they're worried about getting overtaken by new people or what the deal is. But it drives me nuts when I see someone come in Let's say someone's interested in programming and they pick it up and the first thing that they learn that they can change with code is access or a word macro or heaven forbid visual basic. And everyone looks down on them and tells them the first thing they're doing is not real programming or it's not a real language or real developers wouldn't do that. And that's just, it's not a way to build somebody up. And even let's leave beginners and you have people who are working in Java and you come across someone who's working in .NET and the two communities are diametrically opposed and they're giving each other grief and it's, you know, the .NET developers couldn't possibly understand how to write enterprise software like Java developers or, you know, .NET developers are saying Java developers are years behind on technology and they're writing overly complicated bloated software and then other people in other languages rubies and nodes of the world are talking about how both of those languages are spending too much time writing there's too much ceremony in the languages and they're not expressive enough or they're not beautiful enough and um, none of the cool kids are writing anything in java anymore or dot net anymore all the best people have left dot net 
And every person that decides to change their career track and they're going from being a .NET dev or whatever, they've got to write a blog post about why they're leaving .NET or why they're leaving Angular or why they're leaving Node or why Rails has jumped the shark or whatever. It's On one hand, on its surface, it can seem like a good idea. Like, hey, some people might be curious why Pete used to be a .NET developer and now he's only doing Android or why he's pursuing jobs with writing bash scripts on Unix servers. You know, whatever. Maybe someone's actually curious as to what led me to do that, just from a curiosity killed the cat kind of perspective. But more often than not, they don't leave saying, .NET's great. I just saw a lot more jobs in Node. My brain clicks better with Node. Just makes sense. No, they've got to just burn everything. They've got to torch everything when they leave. It's got to be, well, .NET's this, and it's bloated for that, and they really jump the shark with this, and Visual Studio takes a ton of memory to use, and I'd rather write everything in Vim and whatever. You know, or if they're leaving Ruby to go somewhere else, it's, well, you know, Ruby, ever since Rails 3, it's done this. And ever since they incorporated this thing and they're trying too hard to please these other developers and whatever it is, it's, you've got to, everyone else, it seems like you've got to validate your own choice by invalidating everyone else's choice. And that is just absolutely something. I wish this community was more like some of the best people that I know are in the community. There was more of that where people are just legitimately curious about what's going on and they want to know something about everything and they want to try to become the most well-rounded individuals that they can and they want to get out there and they want to know about everything because they have intellectual curiosity, professional curiosity. They're just people who want to know how the world works, how software works, how websites are built, how apps are built. How do they do that? Like my brother-in-law is interested in in magic and in illusions and sleight of hand and most of the time when you watch magic he knows how a lot of these things are done because as he was younger he was interested how did you saw someone in half what are the 10 ways that the top best musicians could saw someone in half or how did they make the tiger disappear and show up back in the audience same kind of thing here where you know we see something and we go how did they make that login box jiggle left and right as if to say "Uh uh-uh when you got a password wrong how does that work how do you make rounded corners how did someone do that and then you investigate and you find it out and you become your curiosity is rewarded with knowledge and it seems like i don't even know i'm i'm being too whiny here in this podcast but i just want to see more of that instead of oh here's this thing and here's why this is so much better than everything else and if you choose this other opportunity you're an idiot and you just i don't know you're not worthy of collecting a paycheck anymore or whatever it is that that they're trying to say and heaven forbid you're different you know there's nerd culture and there's geek culture or whatever you want to say and you know a lot of us have things in common we like science fiction or maybe we like certain things and we're supposed to hate the big bang theory because they're making fun of us and it's not even funny because no one really thinks that's funny anyway and parks and recreation had so much better nerd characters whatever it is i don't even care i mean people are different you're gonna find people that have things in common with you you know i'd like I'm a nerd. I'm a, I'm a geek. But I like sports. I love sports. I like talking sports. I can sit around with people that are just, you know, quote unquote, average Joes at a bar watching TV. And I can sit there and discuss sports with them because that's something I'm interested in. I can then turn around and go have a very nerdy discussion about how the Enterprise would fare uh, against the Millennium Falcon or against an Imperial Galactic Starship or whatever. Right? Like, that's fine. And so many other people are so wide like that. You know, you meet a developer who maybe they're not interested in sports or sci-fi, but maybe on the side they're interested in music and they like to make electronic music or they like video games or they like gardening, right? Playing with their kids. And when they leave, they go. I mean, I, I've even been on record on this very podcast talking about how 
I know I myself look down on people with disdain who are the quote-unquote 501 developers. And there's a hard line there. When you get out there and you need to give an opinion one way or the other, your opinions can come out as dogmatic, and it can seem like I'm just saying anyone who has to leave early or leave exactly on time exactly every day, never will work over, never finish what they're doing. Five o'clock comes, they drop their keys, they release the keyboard, and they're gone. You know, maybe the reason they're leaving is because they got to go catch their kid's game, or they want to go spend as much time as possible helping their kids with their homework and having dinner together as a family. But what I don't like about that, that concept, that that avatar of the 501 developer that's built up, is that I, I still want them to learn and work on their skills and learn new techniques and learn new software in order to make themselves viable. That's just more of a me being concerned with people's professional careers and and having them be people that I want to work with on my team. But just because you work your 40 and go home, I trust also that you're doing what it takes to learn additional things to make yourself marketable. Maybe if you're, I'm still going to hold to the fact that if you're the kind of person who relies on your job to make sure that you're up to date, um, I'm going to join the the chorus of other people who say, your employer is not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for their own best interest. And if their best interest is to make sure you know everything there is about RPG programming, even though becoming an RPG programmer is less and less and less and less of an option, they're going to keep you working on RPG or Clipper or Fox Pro or some other thing that nobody really cares about anymore, uh, except, you know, the three people in any given city that are working on it. But instead, it's on you to make sure that you have skills that will make you marketable from job to job to job. And one of those skills can be learning and soft skills and being someone people can talk to and someone who's not considered a douchebag or a dick because you just can't keep up with the conversation that's going on in the workplace with any given group of people. You can't fit in. And that whole concept of fitting in is something that people look down on and they say, well, I don't want to fit in. I'm a rebel. I'm a misfit. No one understands me. I'm not saying change who you are. I'm saying find common ground, find commonality. If anything that we're learning about some of the things that are going on in the United States, even right now, there are more things that any two given humans have in common than they have not in common. Learn interpersonal skills. Learn how to get with someone, figure out the commonality, and just work through it, talk through it. Show an actual curiosity in someone else's life. So that's it. I'm a little rambly here. These are just all the things that were kind of floating around in my head as I just as I contemplated just all the things that I'm seeing on Twitter and I read on blogs and I see going on in people's lives and I keep experiencing myself in interactions and I just felt like getting them out there. Okay, I do feel a little better getting that off my chest. So let's move on to the picks of the week. My pick of the week this week is an article posted on Medium by Sam Gerstenzang called 21 Management Things I Learned at Imager. I'll have the URL in the show notes, but there's some real gems on here. Things like, it's terribly difficult to manage unmotivated people. Make your job easier and don't. And A players love hearing critical feedback about how they're outperforming, and they hate when B players don't hear feedback of their own. Keep your A players happy by providing actionable feedback to everyone and recognizing superior performance. Providing context for why you made a decision is a way to scale your decision-making process. The goal is for the manager to make as few decisions as possible, and to do this, your team needs to understand how to make good decisions. That one is that one's money. I really like that one. It goes on and on, and I think that it's fantastic. My second pick of this week, week this week is called Askinema, like ASCII Cinema, Askinema at askinema.org, A-S-C-I-I, nema.org. It's a way to record terminal sessions, but it's also just text. So if you're watching a screencast of a session and you want to copy paste 
a command you just saw, you can. Everything is just text. You can embed the players in blog posts, in slides, whatever. Lots of people have already contributed, so you can go to eskinema.org and browse already created ones and see how easy it is to make your own. So that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can find me on Twitter as at PeteOnSoftware or on my blog, PeteOnSoftware.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.